this week I also want to tell you something about God. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. And that's very important. I mean, all these things I'm sharing with you, I'm sharing these things with you from my personal notes. These are the things that God had given me the privilege to be able to see and to be able to access. That gives me the confidence. The God that I serve, I know he cares for me, my father. I know he loves me, and he loves me to the very end. I know that he's faithful. I know he's a faithful provider for me. I know he remembers me. People might forget, but I know God remembers me. And as, because he remembers me, he remembers my labor of love. So when I'm serving in church and serving, somebody might not say, well done to me. They might not say thank you to me. That's okay. I'm not counting it against them. They might have just forgotten. They're just, he's just human. You know, but God never forgets. God never forgets. And I know also that it will make a way. I might not be able to see the way, but that does not mean there is no way. This God will make a way for me. So, today we're going to look at that. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1 to 3. New Living Translation, please. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1, 2, and 3. And this is what it says. The Lord gave Moses these instructions. Okay? Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Piharot between Migdol and the sea. Notice it's God telling Moses to tell them where to go geographically. Camp there along the shore across from Baal Sephon. Now this, this, this is very specific instruction about where they're going to camp. Notice it is God leading them. Verse 3, Pharaoh will think, this is what God is saying, God said, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. Pharaoh, a type of the devil, the enemy of the Israelites, will think that the children of God are confused and they are trapped in the wilderness. The NKJV version, I believe, says that they are bewildered, bewildered, confused, trapped, bewildered. But you see, God said, I can anticipate the thinking of the enemy. That gives me tremendous comfort. God says, I know what the enemy is thinking. The enemy is thinking that right now you're confused, you're trapped, you're bewildered by your circumstances, there's no way out for you, and you, are, you don't know what next to do. God said, I know what the enemy is thinking. But you see, God, because he knows all things and he knows what the enemy is thinking, the light and darkness is the same to God. He sees everything. So the Bible is telling us that don't worry what the enemy is thinking and what the enemy is saying, that you're confused. God knows there is a way before he allowed you to get to the point you are in, in today. Okay? So I want you to understand that. So in the journey of life, listen to me very carefully. In the journey of life, in the journey of your life, in the journey of my life, in the journey of any corporate organization, all right, entity, you know, as particularly as a church, as a ministry, okay, we, you and I will get to these points in life. As a matter of fact, if you have never been to this point, I doubt that you're really making progress in destiny. We will get to this point in life. I know many of you are still, you're very young. This is a young house church. You, you will get to this point in life 
when it will seem that there is no way you might not be there today but please listen to me carefully you will need this message because it's only a matter of time if you are pursuing the plan of god for your life when you will get to a point when you will seem there will seem that there is no way you will face some situations some challenges where there will seem that there is no way and the enemy will be rejoicing prematurely that you are confused there's no way out for you all right but i'd like you to understand that god is a god that makes a way for us no matter how dark it might look on the outside god makes a way in isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 you know i know we're very familiar with this verse but don't let familiarity bring contempt okay god said i will do a new thing it shall spring forth shall you not know it i will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert let's look at the nlt translation and rivers in the desert because i will do i'm about to do something new see i've already begun do you not see it i will make a pathway through the wilderness god will make a pathway through the wilderness for you i will create rivers in my wasteland now we are going to go into a book of the bible okay that we don't normally i personally for myself i've done this for 21 years i, I hardly preach from this book every time because every time you read this I've had, as a as a christian when i first started out as a christian but newly born again christian i found it difficult reading this particular book i'm about to mention now because what i see there is just very serious romantic love so i used to say ah, is this spiritual but <laughs> as i matured i realized that i now understood the book okay so we're going to songs of solomon hallelujah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sons of Solomon is amazing. Some of the way the thing describes, you know, I said this thing. <laughs> I don't know I'm going to read this one. And I'm supposed to memorize scripture. I said, how am I going to memorize? <laughs> how am I going to memorize this? This thing is talking about all my lots of things, you know. So we're going to Sons of Solomon, but hey, wait, wait. Don't give me the NKJV because it can't, it's, you know. <laughs> Just wait. Let me tell you where to go before you go. Don't go open anywhere for me. Okay? So, but if you're reading it at home, you can read the whole thing, okay? But I'm, I'm just, I'm helping myself. All right? Songs of Solomon, wait. To... <laughs> Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 13. Don't make it, just, that's only one verse. <laughs> no, I said, wait, let me tell you the translation you give me. Give me TPT, Okay? TPT, Songs of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 13, because this is a word for somebody. And I want you to meditate on, wait to, Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 13, TPT, translation, during the week. Okay? Don't, don't get me wrong. Go through the whole Songs of Solomon if you want to. But it will seal up some other things in you, but the God that wrote it will help you. All right. This is what it says. Can you not descend this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The body vines of a new life. God is saying, can you not descend this new day of destiny 
because it's making a way for you this is a new day of destiny for you in jesus mighty name oh if i were you i would say a real amen to that it's a new day of destiny for you listen to me your destiny is not trapped your destiny is not trapped god's plan for your life is not trapped god will see to it that his plan for your life will come to pass in jesus name no matter i must say this to you no matter what the canadian government is doing or will ever do no matter what any institution or organization will do no matter what they will do whether public or private institution i say this very boldly according to scripture because the canadian government or any other government or any other institution they are not the final authority no matter what anybody does your destiny will not be trapped the most high god will make a way for you in jesus name your light will shine forth your light will break forth your light will burst forth in the name of jesus christ so you have a great destiny i want you to assure yourself can you touch yourself and say to yourself i have a great destiny oh please say it again i have a great destiny please one more time say it confidently i have a great destiny so you have a great destiny no matter where you are today in life it might seem that you're trapped i have so many testimonies to share with you along these lines this thing i'm telling you today is not theoretical this is very practical for me this building that we are in today that i'm standing in by the privilege of the grace of god i'm reaching out to you i'm preaching to you will never 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 have been a reality you know if the government was the final authority but the very final i'm standing in this building reminds me that the, no government in the world is the final authority the final authority for a believer is the most high god who also happens to be their father there's nobody i mean they told me that this building is not going to be possible uh you know the approval wasn't going to come forth for us to do it uh you know there was one particular man that was intransigent and he refused to sign up on it anytime we call him i mean the architect the consultants call him send an email to him reach out to him on the phone he will he will he will, he will not pick it for the phone he will not reply the message he will not reply the email he just kept on he was sending us around in circles like this thing will never happen and he was feeling cool with himself but god is bigger than man god is bigger than man whether the man that is in that occupying that position using delegated authority whether he knows god or not god is bigger than every man according to proverbs 21 verse 1 the heart of everybody every decision maker king is in the hand of god and the lord can turn it wherever god wishes so please have this concept in mind you know be confident in this fact that your father is the most high god daniel chapter 4 verse 25 daniel chapter 4 verse 25 verse 25 till you know that the most high god rules in the kingdom of men god rules in the kingdom of men god rules in the kingdom of men now I like verse 26 it says unto you know that heaven rules heaven rules in other words the realm of the spirit god in heaven he rules so you you know be confident god rules god rules he makes a way he's going to make a way for you in jesus name now the question is this 
how does God make a way for us? I'll tell you three things, okay? Then I'll tell you what we must do to be able to access, okay, or appropriate. Another way of saying that is to, to be able to take what God is giving us. All right. So how does God make a way? First, God makes a way by giving you the right key. Very simple. You see, God has the key in his hand. He has the key to every door in his hand. That key is called the key of David. In our previous building, in our previous building, um, in our Lenwood Drive, when we were done with the building, you know, in this building, we did things a bit differently. You know, we have assets here, we, we stepped it up. We have access cards, you know, and all of that. We just need to tap and some doors will open. And if we don't want you to go into those doors, sorry, we just don't give you the access card. It's as simple as that. You know? So when you come towards the door and you see an electronic knob near it and it's turning red and you don't have the key, it just means that you don't have access to that door. But some people that have access, you just take the key. I mean, you know, just tap, take a card and just tap. It turns green and you open the door. But in the previous building, we didn't have this system. We had just the, the key, 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 okay? The metal. And in the key, everybody had the, you know, the different, different rooms, conference room, different offices. And the guy that, that did the whole key, I, I wasn't thinking of this. He came to me and told me, he said, Pastor, he said, I'm going to give you, uh, give you a key, one key. He said, I'm going to make a master key. This is what he told me. I said, that master key will be able to open some of the doors. You know, some of the doors group them together collectively. Like the areas we're using for junior church. He said, I'll make one master key. It will open all the doors in the junior church area. Then he said something to me. And I never knew this existed. He said, and I will make one key that will be called the GMK. The Grand Master Key. He said, that Grand Master Key will open every door. One key. It can open every door in that building. I said, oh. I said, that sounds like the key of David. I said, give me. I like that grandmaster key. So he made the key, and he made two copies of it. He gave me one, and we gave one to somebody on our board. And I have the grandmaster key. And, you know, I never thought that this grandmaster key will even be. I just had it. I just like the idea, okay, of having a key that opens every door because it meant something to me spiritually. I could connect. Then suddenly I realized one day somebody woke up to me and said, Pastor, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, one of our staff, I left my key at home. I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to... I said, you don't need to struggle, you left your key at home. I said, I have the key of David. Oh, sorry, the grandmaster key. <laughs> it was on my bond. I opened it, I said, oh, pastor, you have the key? Every key, and it's the same key. It opens every door. It's, it's incredible. Every time I open a door like that, I just say, ah, it's a miracle. <laughs> so there are keys that just open every door. And, you know, instead of having a whole bunch of keys. So when you see Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, that says, this thing says he who is true. He who is holy. He who has the key of David. Once he opens, nobody shall, can shut. And once he shuts, nobody can open. You have to understand that this God can give you the key to a specific door. And open the key to a university admission for you. Open the key to your marital destiny for you. To a man that is complete in Christ. Or a woman that is standing in Christ. And these are not mere words. I'm going to do a relationship seminar with you very shortly. Okay? 
but I prefer to do it when I see you face to face. All right? I'm going to do something like that and answer your, take your questions live, you know, hot mic, live mic, you know, praise God. You know, I, you know this is very important. He's going to open the door. He opens the door. He has the key. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 2, okay, there was a man that was trapped. His name is Elisha. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. All right? The Bible says, Elisha, Elisha was trapped. How do I know he was trapped? Will you read the whole story? What had happened was that he was going with his master called Elijah that had the anointing, walked with God, has done so many miracles. Now, Elijah, okay, was taken by God through a chariot of fire into heaven. That's it. Elijah is gone. But before they left, they had crossed the river Jordan miraculously. So now Elisha had followed him, his master, who opened the river Jordan. Now Elisha is now on this side of the Jordan. There's a river between him and the city. And he's not trapped on this side. What is he going to do? But before God took Elijah away, the Bible says something happened. The mantle of Elijah dropped. And so Elijah took that mantle. I can imagine gingerly, he took that mantle, which was the key to opening the river Jordan. And when he went there, he struck the Jordan. And the same way the Jordan opened to Elijah, it opened for him also. Do you know that the same way, after Jesus resurrected from the dead, the Bible says the disciples were in a room, all locked up in the room. They locked the door for fear, and Jesus appeared before them. He didn't use a natural key to open that door. He, op he came in. The Bible says he was, he, you know, you know. Someone said, "Oh, of course, he came in as he came in as a spirit." No, he came in and actually told them, told Thomas. He said, "Come and touch me. Put your finger in the hole of my hand. Put your hand." on my side where they gave me a spear he said as you will see flesh and bone does not have spirits don't have flesh and bone so he was there physically you could tangibly you could touch him how did you come through the door he came through the door because he was giving us an indication that when you and i are also put our faith in him we are raised up from the dead for we were crucified with christ galatians 2 20 and we we're raised up together with him ephesians 2 verse 6 so that you and i also can also go through doors that's why in acts chapter 5, chapter 5 verse 19 and 20 when they locked the doors against the apostles they were confident that the god that came in through doors without it being without using a physical key and without getting approval from that authority on the day that same door will that same god will open this door and that's what he did so god can give you a specific key he can give you a specific key you know some of you are in businesses you're struggling you have learned all the things about marketing advertising you have been to the master class you have been to super master class you have been to everything You've implemented all the things you need to implement, but business is not moving. You know why? You don't have the key to that market segment. You don't know how to unlock that particular market. You have knowledge, the natural principles of what to do, but you don't have the key. When the pandemic wanted to lock us out of destiny, what the pandemic did not understand is that it cannot lock what God has opened. He said, when I open, no man can shut. God has opened it 
no virus can lock it up. And that's exactly what happened. You see? So, <clears throat> pray so that, you know, this new system that's coming up in Ontario, effective June 14, okay, can be accelerated. All right? So we can gather together again. I can talk to you business people or aspiring business people or wannabe business people or fake it until you make it business people. Whatever category you fall into, in all of that, I can speak to you and help you to understand the key to open up market segments, okay? Both existing market and emerging markets, all right? So you need, God can give you the right key to open the door, okay? The door to prosperity, the door to this, the door to that, you can give you the right key. Number two, how does God open these doors? God opens these doors sometimes by removing the whole door. You know, God is amazing. He can remove the whole door. The whatever obstacle is standing between you and your next level, God Almighty can remove the whole thing. You cross over and he puts it back. This God is amazing. In Joshua chapter 1, chapter 6 rather, from verse 1 to 20, Joshua chapter 6, from verse 1 to 20, that's exactly what God did. Take time at home and read it. Study this very, very well. It's an amazing miracle. And a miracle that I have seen happen to me, not literally, but metaphorically, as a figure of speech. This has happened to me. Okay? I've enjoyed this dimension of a miracle. God just removes the entire door. In other words, if some six people are gathered against your destiny, and they will not let you go, and they refuse to let you go, and they think that without them, you cannot breed. Okay? You can't breed in, you can't breed out. God will remove all of them. In one day, the wall of Jericho will collapse. God will remove all of them, and you will go straight into your destiny. And God, you will not be enjoying from the table God has prepared before you. In the pre I'm telling you, literally, God has done this for me. People that stood against my destiny and said, I'm going nowhere. This is just some, a little bit over 10 years ago. Said that I'm not going anywhere. They have they had made up their mind that they would teach me a lesson. <laughs> and God gave me this scripture. One day, by a surprise move of God, all of a sudden, it was like a wind came from the east and blew them away. The Bible says, it says, you will look for them, you will not find them. Psalm 37 says, I've looked for the wicked man. I searched for him. And it was spreading itself like an olive tree. It's only plant. He said, but I look for him carefully. I search for him. I never found him. He's no longer there. Never found him. Never found him. I said to, my, I used to myself, I said to myself all the time, if it had not been for that particular move of God, Papa, he said, yet for a little while, the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place. It will be no more. If it had not been for that move of God, there will be nothing like Open heavens, nothing like balanced living complex, all of that will not show up. TV ministry, all of that will not be. If not for that specific move of God, a little over 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, these people were so intransigent, they formed the bond, they formed the team, and they felt that they were going to teach me a lesson. They had meetings and thought they would teach me a lesson. They, 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 they misunderstand God. They didn't understand 
that they are not, they thought they were dealing with just a human being, a human being. They didn't know they were dealing not with the human being, but with the sender of the messenger. You see? So I want you to understand this. No matter what happens, maybe some people sit in a place and they stand to you that, you know, they're not going to promote you or you're going nowhere or that without them, nothing's going to happen. The man that told me, I had a meeting with him, with the architect, sometimes ago concerning our property by the airport, our landed property by the airport there. And the man told me, the man is the one, he said, I'm the one in charge here. I'm the head of all of this particular unit that is responsible for either telling you that it's doable to build on that land or it's not doable. And the man told me, he was so confident of himself. He told me, he said, Pastor, you know, and I had this little small Bible with me when I went to his office. My architect. I was reading my Bible when the architect showed up and said, let's go, we have an appointment there if you are ready. So I said, okay, let's go. So I, I took this small little Bible with me, thin little Bible like that. So in those days, I was not used to reading my Bible on my phone. You know, I'm just a little bit kind of like, yeah, in that old school. But now, ah, I'm new school though. I don't, <laughs> I'm very new school. So, but, so I had my Bible with me. So the man, the man told me, he said, he carried out the big man, I pulled it off his shelf. He said, Pastor, he told me, he said, Pastor, this manual, is the Ontario plan. That's the plan that governs the whole of Toronto, the whole of basically, you know, about what can be built anywhere. It's called the official plan. It's, and the, it's reviewed in the city of Toronto every five years. You know, the property falls within the um, remit of the city of Toronto every five years. The man pulled it and said, he said to me, he said, Pastor, what you have in your hand is your own Bible. He said, this is my own Bible. Then I was telling him, he said, he said, so I go by this. It's what this one says. He showed me the manual. He said, according to this one, you can't have that. <laughs> you know, immediately said that, I knew the battle is now Bible versus Bible. We have to find out which one is inspired by God and which one is written by man. So when he said, but I was confident. I was confident that this was going to happen. You know, the man himself, you know, is the, you know for God, to, God wanted to really humble the man. I, I insisted because I went back into the scriptures and prayed and what God did was I knew God was going to make a way. I was confident. When I went back into other meetings with him, you know, it was in the process of that. I must let tell you this. It was in the process of that that I met Counselor Doug Ford. Okay? That is now Premier Doug Ford. That was how I met him. Okay? It was in that process because he was a counselor over what used to be Ward 2 where the property falls within. So that's how I met him. And, you know, we, we collected at that time. You know, you know so, 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 so he told me it's not doable. And so I went into the scriptures. And when I went into the scriptures and all of that, what did God do? One day, eventually, you know, he had been on that, so they called for another meeting. The 12 most powerful people in terms of the city of Toronto, were the ones in that meeting. Twelve most powerful people. I mean, I'm talking of the mover and shakers of the city of Toronto. Not in the, pub, not in the private sector. I'm talking of the public sector. But you know, the public sector defines the policies for the private sector. And what happened was that I was about to go into the meeting. It was early hours of the morning, 8 a.m. in the morning. They had called me to the meeting. Our, you know, our lawyer woke up to me. Just by the elevator, I'm about to go into the meeting. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, 
the participants in this meeting, they're waiting for you, they're all in the room. He said, Pastor, I need to let you know they are very hostile. <laughs> what, an, what an encouragement. He said, they're very hostile and they're particularly hostile to church doing anything in that property. So, so they're having this meeting and in their mind, it's just a formality. Basically to put a nail to my coffin. So I said, I said, oh, thank you very much. This is my own lawyer telling me this. <laughs> I said, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. So I said, so the lawyer was amazed that I was not flabbergasted or panicky. I walked into the meeting. I sat down, greeted them. And you should have seen, when I greeted them, they had their heads down. They didn't even look up. They didn't even answer. You know? So the chair of the meeting started the meeting, called the meeting to order. Basically, they were going to just read me my death sentence and tell me, ah, it's not doable. So the chair of the meeting spoke, called the meeting to order. And while the meeting was going on, so my lawyer spoke on my behalf. The architect was also there. and spoke and said, you know, this is the church. The church reaches out to the community, does this in the community and all of that and all of that. They were not even really listening. They were just, they had come to a conclusion before they came to the meeting. They were just about to read out the conclusion they had come to. <laughs> So they, 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 they were about to do that. But why, before, before they, do, they, did, they did that, what God did for me was that the very man that told me that this is his own Bible, along the line during the meeting, about 30 minutes of the meeting, the man said, I have an idea. And the chair of the meeting said, oh, go ahead. And the man spoke, he didn't tell me this idea before, he spoke publicly right in that meeting how we are going to, how we, what we have to do for the law to permit us to do what we wanted to do. He was one that came up with the idea. He said, you know, without going into too much nitty-gritty details with you, he said, you know, this, I think if we do it this way and so on this way, it's going to be permissible within the law. And he turned to the chair. He said, and the chair said, wow, that was a brilliant idea. You know, <laughs> and as a typical human being, the man said, uh, well, you know, once in a while I come up with very wonderful gems, you know, <laughs> I said to myself, you can take the credits, but God takes glory. You know, but God, he didn't know that just like God walked through King Cyrus, God was walking through him. The person, very same person that started the fire is the same person that called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the furnace. He was the one that started the fire. He was the one that God also used to bring us out of the furnace. And you know, after he finished that particular act, he left that place. He left that place of work. They moved him on. Don't ask me how. And don't send me um, emails for prayer points in that particular area. Just know that factually it was moved out of that place so that it would, not, it would not be an obstacle to any other person coming behind me. God can remove the entire door. God removed him. And number three, finally, if God doesn't give you the key, he doesn't remove the door, he can create a new path entirely for you. And in the story we read in Exodus chapter 14, that's what God did. Exodus chapter 13, let's start from verse 13. Moses was speaking to the children of Israel. And he said, Exodus 14, 13. 14, 13, thank you very much. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand still. You will see the salvation, which means the deliverance of the Lord which it will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, 
the challenges you see today, you will not see anymore forever. Verse 14. The Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. Verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And that's the direct word for somebody here. You are not going backwards. You know, somebody is out there, the enemy is painting a picture for you that you will go backwards, that you will go back to your country of birth, and you will go back in disgrace. Let me say this to you. I cancel the word of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Most High God, may the word of the enemy to you be overruled today in Jesus' mighty name. I say over you, you are not going back. You are going forward. You are not going back. You are going forward. One more time, you are not going back. You are going forward. Please say with me, I'm going forward. I'm not going back. I'm going forward. One more time, I'm not going back. I'm going forward. Now, I'd like you to take one or two steps forward. You are going forward. You are not going backwards in the name of Jesus Christ. So God told them that. And this is what the word God gave me. When I went back to God after I had the first original, we cannot do it. And I said to God, God, what is happening? What am I going to do? God said, go forward. Go forward. Verse 16. He said, but lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea. Divide it. Nobody has ever walked through, walked through a sea before. But God said, Moses, I'm going to do a new thing with you. You will walk through the sea. You will go through this sea as of dry land. In other words, when you walk through the sea, and you get to the other side, because there's no, you know, normally if, this, if you see even parts, there should be, um, the, 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 the ground, okay, it should still be wet, you know, there should be mud. So when you step your feet on it, it should bring out a lot of mud. So when people see you, see your feet, it should be evidence of the fact that, oh, you didn't come through the road, you went through the sea. That's why there's mud on your feet. But God said, when you walk through the sea, because you walk on dry ground, when you get to the other side, and you're telling people are saying, how did you get here? You say, oh, I passed through the sea. They will say, you are a liar. You're lying. You know, there's some testimonies you share with people, and they say, it's not true. They will say, it's not true. No, 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 it's not true. No, that cannot be true. But they are forgotten that Psalm 71, verse 7 says, I have become a wonder to many, for the Lord of hosts has become my strong refuge. Now, notice what it says. It says, I became a wonder. I become a wonder. I wasn't like that before. I was normal to many, but I now became a wonder to many. They're asking me, how did you do it? You know, after all the tests doctors have done, they said you don't have ovaries, you don't have fallopian tube, you're not ovulating, but you get pregnant and the doctor is saying, how? I became a wonder to the doctors. After everything your lawyer knows, they've said based on this case, shame should happen to you. But they suddenly see a letter that says that, congratulations, we're pleased to let you know you have your permanent residency, you become a wonder to your doctors. Based on what the people handling your finances know, it should take you another 15 years to get out of debt, take you another five years to put money together to buy a house, but you are going to become a wonder to many after this service. You will become a wonder to many in the name of Jesus. Some of your friends that are already going out, shopping for their wedding dress and all that stuff, and say, will you come with me? And you know, sometimes you have to oblige and you go with them, and they're thinking, oh, you know, you know they're kind of half encouraging you, half despising you. You know, ladies can be bitchy. Sorry, ladies. You know, I have four sisters, so don't take it personal. You know, but ladies can be bitchy sometimes. 
you know, they say, oh, don't worry, don't worry. You get your guy. It's just because your, your standard is too high. That's why you haven't got anybody. When you get anybody, don't worry. Anymore. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, you know, <laughs> then suddenly, before their own wedding, Kabakalina Mokura Malaysia. Central. You know, as I said, I just remembered a friend of <laughs> a friend of ours went up and they were young. You know, they were planning this wedding. This girl has a gift from God to be able to match some very strange colors. She can just <laughs> is laughing. She can just show up in church with orange shoes and a green bag. I mean, I, I don't know. Understand? I mean, she just she has strange colors. But you know, but she she knows she's from a very proper home, well brought up. She just doesn't have a sense of colors. You know, I think our optical nerve is just not working properly to descend colors. But you know what? She was getting married, and she basically gave it to the rest of us. I'm getting married. Make sure you have my wedding. You know, make sure you have my wedding. You know, those kind of ladies that want to give it to you. What she did not know. So, Thompson and I, you know, you know, what happened anyway, to cut a long story short, Thompson and I got married one week before them. One week before. They had been planning their wedding for, you know, you know the type of wedding you plan for 18 months. You've been breathing up and down about the wedding. Ah, the wedding is going to be superlative. Every superlative you have in the world, you're using to describe it. Ah, this wedding is going to be on Bala Niger. Praise God. Ah, this wedding is going to be this. It's going to be that. Ah, it's going to be lit. It's going to be this. Okay, my sister, relax. One week before. He said, hey, ha, how? He said, listen to me. The wedding, the wedding, we put the wedding together. The wedding is going to be there. You know, we put the wedding together. Everything went very, very, very well. Because they don't understand. He said, you, shall you not know it? It shall spring forth. Spring forth means it might not be incremental. It shall spring forth. It shall, boom, spring forth. It shall spring forth. It might not be instrumental. It will spring forth. So I want you to understand that it shall spring forth. God is creating a new path for you. He's creating a new path for you. He's creating a new path for you. In the name of Jesus Christ. I know you, some of you will not believe this because you're younger Christians. But keep it in mind. One day, you have enough faith to believe it, but it's reality. There was a woman whose womb had been taken out. You know, let me even give you a name of a particular woman. A woman called Helen Baylor. Helen Baylor. She's a music artist, or maybe she was, because I've not heard anything from her. I have not heard. I'm not saying she's not longer on the scene. I've not heard anything from her in a long time. But 2004, we hosted a program here, you know, called Festival of Life, and she came to Canada to that Festival of Life, and she shared this testimony on the platform. Her husband been there. Because of, you know, her past life, you know, she had, you know, done one of the, before she came to meet Christ, abortions and all of that, and her womb had been interrupted, you know. So the womb was not going to work, wasn't working anymore. So when her husband met her, she now gave her life to Christ. Her husband met her, she told her husband, you know, I love you and I know you love me, you know, but I don't think we should take this thing to marriage because I know you will get to a point in the marriage you see you want children. And I cannot give birth to children because my womb has been destroyed. He said, she said, but the husband said something to her. The husband said, you know what? I didn't, I'm not saying I, I like you because of the potential to produce children. I'm saying I like you because I believe that we, can, we have a future together. And all of that, all of that. You know, the guy is a strong Christian. The guy is, is very strong in his faith. 
very convinced in his faith. So they got married anyway. They started praying. And the lady, you know, when she came to Canada, she came with her husband and came with her children. I think as at that time she had two or three. I can't remember now. But they were multiple children. The womb that they said would never, never be able to carry a child. So where did the child stay? That womb carried a child. That womb carried a child. I've seen people that the doctor said would never be able to work. And there's nothing wrong with the doctors, but they're speaking completely based on physical, physical dimension. That this person would never be able to work. This one will never be able to do this, never be able to do that. I've seen them do it. Okay? So let me say this to you. Whatever the experts in the natural have said you will never be able to do, in the name of Jesus Christ, from this day, receive grace to do it in Jesus' name. Receive grace to go beyond that level in Jesus' name. God creates a new way for you today in Jesus' name. He creates a new path for you in Jesus' name. The word path, P-A-T-H, is part of the word pathway. Pathway. God can create a new pathway in your brain. If you are failing an exam right now, you can create a new pathway that you wouldn't even believe it. When you come out of the exam and people see your score, they say, it's a lie. Remember, when they went through the Red Sea, people that saw them without any stain, they will say, it's a lie. People that saw them out of the fire, they were not smelling of fire, they will say, it's a lie. When the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, it was as if we were dreaming. So, so God can create a new pathway, new pathway. They can say, oh, oh, all the nerves are destroyed. There's no way the spinal cord is destroyed. But I want to tell somebody here, God will create a new pathway for you. Oh, all the pathways that you need to go through. The lawyers have exhausted all of your options to stay in this country. But a new pathway is created today. A new pathway is created today. A new pathway is created today. You've exhausted all of your options for relationships. All the friends are no friends are no friends are no friends. You know, it's like you're back, black, blacklisted. Everybody knows you. Nobody's coming to you. But a new pathway is created for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, a new pathway is created for you. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ. So, then, quick question then is, what do I do since God creates a way? What do I do so that I can appropriate the way that God has in mind for me? Let me give you three things. You know, if you're looking for a, go to your friend's house, and you don't know the way then. If I tell you now, I'm having a barbecue in my house. You know, my house, obviously, as at this time, as at today, physically speaking, cannot receive 300 people at once. But it's only a matter of time. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. I won't limit myself. It's only a matter of time. I'm going from glory to glory. The same God that brought me out of a basement here in Canada that brought me to main floor where I am today. That same God is still taking me places. Hallelujah. I'm going... Okay, baby, your amen is, look like it's starting somehow. Okay. <laughs> it's like sending a message to me. <laughs> All right. You know, I'm still going towards the place whereby my neighbor's house will not be scratching, you know, the brick of my neighbor's house will not be scratching the brick of my own house. <laughs> you know, I won't be able to stand, you know, I stand today now in my house. I can always touch my neighbor's house. That will not be my portion forever. 
where I'm going next, even when you shout, hallelujah, my neighbor will not hear me. In the name of Jesus Christ, praise God, praise God, praise God. I'm telling you, we're going places. So imagine if I say, I'm, you know, so I'm in this house, guys, you know what, I want to host you guys, you know, this weekend. Can you join me? I've not seen you for a while. I've missed you. Can we just join, you know, when we go to pastor's house? So you get the email of the address. You don't know the place. You don't know how to get there. What are you going to need? There's a little electronic thing you're going to need. What is it called? GPS? Fantastic. GPS. In England, they have a complicated way for everything in England. In England, they call it SatNav. Satellite Navigator. So they call it SatNav. I don't understand. Anyway, G P S. And incidentally, that's exactly what you need for God to create the way for you to navigate this way. You need a G, you need a P, and you need an S. G P S. You need giving, you need prayer, and you need service. You need giving, you need prayer, and you need service. So let's go to the scriptures quickly. Acts chapter 10, verse 4. God told Colinius, your prayer and your giving, arms there, means giving. Your giving have come up as a memorial before God. So your giving makes a way for you. Don't let anybody deceive you. As you know, I'm speaking to you to the glory of God. I've done this for 21 years. I'm not asking for your money. To the glory of God, this particular church, Ignite Church, cannot meet their financial obligations. So everything we do for the Ignite Church, we're doing it as charity, being a blessing to the Ignite Church. You understand? What about everything you're giving? Come on, come on, you're giving. It does not. It can't pay for the electricity of this place. And I'm, I'm not joking. Seriously, everything you give in a month, it cannot handle the utilities in this place. Just utilities, not the rent, not the other utilities. And you're the one that will use light and you smoke. But, <laughs> you know, but it's okay. So, it, so then we're not asking for the giving. In, in our own context here, in House of Praise, you know, in our accounting system here, Ignite Church is some cost. That means we take money out of House of Praise for a whole year and budget it for Ignite Church. That's it. We know that we are sowing a seed. And we know you are worth it. Amen. You know, it might not look like it today. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not calling the things that, you know, the way they are. We're calling the things that be not. As though they are. So we believe, we believe that your destiny is what Even you, though you yourself individually might not know your destiny is worth it. But we know you are worth it. You're worth more than that investment. If Christ can die for you, then the rest is simple. So, but don't forget, you have to be able to tap in individually into what God has made available for you. And your giving enables you to do that. Your giving enables you to do that. Okay? Uh, number two, prayer. Acts chapter 5, sorry, chapter 12, verse 5 to 11. When Peter was in prison, the church prayed continually. Constant prayer. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Constant prayer was offered to God for him. That's for him there is for Peter by the church. And what happened? An angel came and opened the prison door. And the Bible says that Peter came out. And the iron gate that leads to the city opened of his own accord. Because constant prayer, an emphasis on constant prayer. But I will talk a lot more about prayer. Make sure you join me next week. Okay, not just in Ignite Church but particularly in House of Praise at 10 a.m. If you want to learn more about this type of prayer, I'm going to speak about that. 
okay, the constancy, consistency in the place of prayer, effectiveness in the place of prayer as it relates to the kingdom of God. Next week Sunday. Okay? So prayer and number three is service. Kingdom service. Serving God. You know, this is a time for you now. Ignite Church. This is a time for you to actually start serving God. I gave my life to Christ in 1995 on the 8th of June to be specific. I was 25 years old. Okay, going down to 26 that year, that same year. But I was 25 years old as of June 1995. I gave, so I was a young adult. Young adult. I served. I served, you can say, almost recklessly. People were making fun of me. I wasn't serving because one day I would become a pastor. I, was, I didn't even know all the scriptures that we know today. That, you know, I didn't know all of that. I just loved God and I wanted to serve. There was a time in my life, of course, as you know, I'm a pharmacist by training. There was a time in my life where I was working in a hospital in Kent, in London. It was, this hospital was uh, about one hour, 40 minutes away from where our church was. church was located in a place called North Acton in London, England. hospital was in Kent, outside of London. So I have to take a surface street, then take subway, what we call subway, what is called the tube in London, as you know. Take that to get to church. It usually takes me about one hour, 30, one hour, 40, one hour, 30 minutes or one hour, 40 minutes. It used to cost me, and I'm not exaggerating, 10 pounds. 10 pounds to buy the surface train ticket. And, but I'll come for midweek service on Wednesday. I'll come for church on Sunday. I'll come for prayer meeting on a Tuesday. I was doing that three times a week. I was still in church. I, was, I wasn't, I was just serving. I just wanted to serve. I just wanted to serve. But that service made a way for me. Please let me say this to you. Don't let anybody reason you out of kingdom service. People told me at that time that they were they're using you. They're just using you. I said to them, thank God I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go with them. Thank God I, I rejected that statement. You know, people will tell you different, different things. People will say all manners of things to you. Please don't be weary in well-doing. For if you don't faint in due season, you will reap if you faint not. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. So, find an opportunity and serve. Serve. Be immovable. Be unchanging in your service. Always abounding in the work of God. For God is a faithful God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 58 says be immovable, which means there's a possibility for you to be moved. Always abounding the work, knowing that the, your labor is not in vain. So, I want to challenge you in that regard. Find an opportunity to serve. And we're going to be making a call for people to serve. Sometimes down, you know, as we get closer to the time where we're going to reopen. Because it's obvious now that by the grace of God, we are going to reopen. You know, as many people have been fumigated, I mean vaccinated. <laughs> You know, as many people, more and more people have been vaccinated, you know, and Canada was not doing well originally in the month of March and all of that, struggling with some supplies. But right now, Canada is doing well. I even hear that per capita now, Canada is doing a bit better than the U.S. in terms of people that have received single dose, okay, or the first dose, rather. You know, it's definitely more than some states in the U.S. So we give God praise for that. So things are opening up. 
you know, the COVID numbers are going down. The indexes are going down. All the numbers are going down. People in ICU are going down. People on ventilators are going down. People in hospital, the numbers are going down. Uh, daily rates of COVID cases going down. Uh, the positivity rate is going down. So all these things are going down little by little. So it's only a matter of time we are going to reopen. So to reopen, we are going to be calling for people that want to join the workforce. Make sure that you don't miss that opportunity. Even after you go through a part of our check, if they tell you you don't qualify, ask them. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Is there a place, another place I can send an email to? Because I still want to volunteer. You know, even if I'm not an official volunteer, can I find a way to volunteer with the people that are volunteering? You know, find a way to serve God. Find a way to serve God. That's your GPS. And you see, don't, this is not just for this particular sermon. GPS, anywhere you go to in the world, whether you're in this church, you're not in this church, you get married to your wonderful, complete in Christ husband, and he takes you to New Zealand, Australia, France, anywhere, Portugal, anywhere he takes you to, or Botswana, or Mozambique, or Bono State in Nigeria, in the midst of Boko Haram for missionary work, whatever it takes you to, you don't want to, it is amen to that. Anyway, <laughs> wherever your husband takes you to, or your wife inspires you to go, you know, wherever, Antarctica, the Arctic region, you know, anywhere, you know, anywhere you go, don't forget his GPS. Find yourself in a local church. Give, pray, serve, give, pray, and serve. That's GPS. And once you start, don't stop. Once you start, don't stop. You start today, you're paying your tithes, you're excited about it. Hey, you know, my tithe is $15. Praise God. You're excited. Then in two years' time, one year, your tithe is $150. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Then you got a fantastic promotion. Your tithe is $1,500. Praise God. <laughs> then you guys see us, bro, that your tithe is $15,000. Hmm. Don't be like that. I started paying my tithe when I was earning three pounds an hour working in Burger King, Liverpool Street Station in London, making 120 pounds a week. I was living in Streatham Hill, living in a bed seat. Another word for that is face me, I face you. You know, and... You no, know, 120 pounds a week, my gross income. You know, and I, the bed seat in Streatham Hill, true life story, 1995, was 60 pounds a week. So all I was paying my tithes. Today now, to the glory of God, I can't tell you what my tithe is, but I can tell you by the grace of God, as big as this church is, to the glory of God, is high, high up there. But my completion of my tithe and my offerings, my giving is high, high, high up there. There have been some years, in the last five years, seven, five, five to seven or five to ten years, whereby I've, it has pleased God that way, that I've been the one that's given expression to generosity the most in this church. In other words, I was the top giver in this church. There have been only a couple, one or two years in the last seven years that I've been knocked off that position. I know God allowed that to let me know that, hey, you've got to jack up a bit. No. <laughs> you know. So, Give. You give, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. 
pray. Constant prayer. It's not just prayer. Constant prayer. And as you do that, you will see amazing manifestations even this week you're entering into in the name of Jesus Christ.